Every single day we come on here, we break down what teams do well, what they don't do well. But what about the individual players? I have three players I want to highlight today, two of which deserve to be in the award conversation, and the other is the future of his university. Oh, yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. family welcome back to another episode of the locked on hbcu podcast your number one daily one-stop shop for everything hbcu athletics monday through friday part of the locked on podcast network your team every day and i of course am darian gray aka the mouth of the south texas southern alum and former tsu herald sports editor and current contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day going on this journey with me. But remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app and use the code Locked On College to get $20 off your first purchase. Like I said in the cold open, this is all about the individual. This is all about the players, right? So we're going to wrap it up with Jawan Howell, who is the future for South Carolina State if they handle things properly. Before that, we're looking at another running back, Ladarius Owens from Texas Southern, because he deserves to be in the Offensive Player of the Year for the SWAT conversation. But prior to any of that, but we're kind of working it down. We went last, we're going to go with the school. In the middle, we're looking at the conference. But when it comes to Terrell Allen, the defensive lineman for Tennessee State, I'm looking national. I'm looking at Buck Buchanan, because to me, in the last three weeks, Terrell Allen has moved his way into the lead for the Buck Buchanan Award. And I know we still have three games left. He still has a couple of things that he needs to do. But I almost feel as if this story has been overshadowed for a couple of reasons that I will get to at the end. Because I feel like if I say it first, then I'm also doing what I'm accusing people of. And that's overshadowing. That being said, I am still guilty of one of the things that I'll express. And as we stand here today, Brother Allen is the leader in the nation, not just HBCU ball, not just the OVC. I mean, all of FCS football. Terrell Allen is the leader in sacks and the leader in tackles for a loss. He has a pretty decent lead on both of those. So even with three games left in the season, he should end the year ranked pretty highly, if not number one. And he's really placed himself in the forefront of the Buck Buchanan Award conversation. And for those who don't know, that's the Defensive Player of the Year for FCS football on a national level. But he's placed himself in the forefront of these conversations because of what he's been able to do in the last three weeks. We're going to work with the previous week and just keep working back, working back, working back, right? So last week against Lindenwood, he has six and a half tackles for a loss, four and a half sacks. 
against Lincoln, California the week before, he had four tackles for a loss, and he's had four sacks. The week before that, he had four tackles for a loss, and he had two sacks against Norfolk State. This is a man who, over the last three weeks, has been on a tear, and this previous week against Lindenwood just wasn't fair. These are Madden-type numbers. Six and a half tackles for a loss and four and a half sacks in a game. This is a phenomenal performance, and that's how he's been able to build himself up to being the leader in, in sacks, the leader in tackles for a loss, just the leader in disruptions in the country. And let's compare, because I think that this is fair. If I'm saying what I feel like Terrell Allen is deserving of, and we've already laid out leader in sacks, leaders in tackle for loss. But beyond that, how does he stack up? to other Buck Buchanan Award winners. So I'm going to look forward to last over the last two years. You look at Zeke Zanderberg, or excuse me, last year's Buck Buchanan Award winner was Zeke Vanderberg. And he had 100 tackles, 21 tackles for a loss, 14 sacks, and two forced fumble. The year before that, it was Isaiah Land, 43 tackles, 25 and a half tackles for a loss, 19 sacks, and three forced fumbles. So we know that Terrell Allen is the leader in sacks and tackles for a loss in the country right now. And I think that's good enough to explain why he deserves to be at the forefront of a defensive player of the year conversation. But where does he stack up to previous Buck Buchanan Award winners? As of right now, with three games left on his resume to complete it, 46 tackles, 20 and a half tackles for a loss, 13 and a half sacks, five forced fumbles. So to me, in addition to being the leader in national stats, he also already has a stat line that is comparable to other past Buck Buchanan award winners. And he still has three games left to maybe get closer to 25 and a half sacks or excuse me, tackles for a loss. If not exceeded 19 sacks is going to be very difficult to pass. He needs five and a half to tie it. He has three games. So if he continues on this stretch, yeah, he'll be able to do it. But that's not an easy thing to do. That being said, he'll have more tackles than land. He has more forced fumbles than land. So he'll have a comparable stat line, and he doesn't have 100 tackles like Vanderberg did, but a comparable stat line to me. So, and once again, it's important to remember he has three games left. That's always important because I'm not saying that if he ended his season now, he deserved it while everybody else kept going. But here's the other thing. They might be able to make the playoffs. Tennessee State is in line to be able to be a playoff team in 2023, which means he'll have more than just three games. He'll be able to play at least a fourth. This is something I think is really important. I think it's something that shouldn't be overlooked. But the reason that I believe it is, is for a couple of reasons. Number one, number one, he's at Tennessee State. And we know the coverage that comes with the Tennessee States, the North Carolina ANCs, the Hamptons. Like We know that. We're not here to cry about it or, or whine about it, but we can acknowledge it repeatedly because I do believe it deserves to be acknowledged when talking about this. So one, he's not in an HBCU conference. So it's not on our radar as much. Even though I don't know if that's a, a valid excuse because this all started with his game against Norfolk State and four tackles for a loss and two sacks is a good enough game for us to highlight. However, it brings it to our second reason that this is overlooked and probably the most important and the most valid reason. Eddie George has stolen some of the limelight with calling out the fans. And I understand why he did it. Listen, I've done two episodes talking about it, so you know where I stand on it. He's not, I shouldn't, I, I phrased it in the wrong way. I shouldn't have said stolen the limelight. Eddie George calling out fans for the attendance has generated the most, uh, the most eyes in this situation. It's garnered more attention than Terrell Allen's performance on the field, and that's of no fault 
of Eddie George is him doing what he felt was necessary. I get it. Right. So I think the first way I said it sounded like I was kind of faulting him and making him sound like he was reaching for something. He wasn't. Eddie George just called out fans for something that he desired out of them. And because that became such a big story, a lot of times we got two eyes, we can only focus on one thing. But then again, I guess if we focused on two things. We probably be looking like that. But, <laughs> but you hear my point. We have a brain. We can focus on multiple things at once. But a lot of times we don't. And we decided to focus on, and I'm guilty of it too. That's why I'm saying we. We decided to focus on Eddie George and what he said to the Tennessee State fans. Meanwhile, Brother Allen has been on a three-game stretch of terrorizing the opponents in the backfield. But he's not the only person who's on a long stretch. You also got to look at Ladarius Owens because Ladarius Owens, to me, deserves to be in the Offensive Player of the Year conversation. And I know that sounds crazy, but the only reason is because his team has not been successful. Let's break down his case, though, as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. And if you download the Game Time app and then use the code Locked On College, you get $20 off of your first purchase. And you don't deserve to be punished for procrastination. You don't deserve to be punished for waiting. It happens to all of us. So who am I to punish you for that? Now, you do deserve to be punished if you go procrastinate, you go waste time, and then you don't go to Game Time because now you've done it to yourself. You're bringing this upon yourself. Go to Game Time. And use that that app, whatever it is, a concert, a sporting event, a comedy show, whatever you at the theater. It has everything on there. Any event in your local area, because they're going to get you the best price. They're so confident that they can't be topped, that they're willing to say, if you find a better price on a on a seat in the same row in the same section, we'll give you one hundred and ten percent back on the difference. That's how confident they are that they have the best prices out there. Go ahead and challenge them on it. Go to game time. Look for some in your local area. See if you want to go. Purchase yourself a ticket, and you won't find a better price. I bet you that. So go to the Game Time or download the Game Time app and use the code Locked On College, and you'll get twenty dollars off your first purchase. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked On HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day and remember on fridays we have our college football kickoff live show it's a live show but if you're not able to catch it at the moment you'll be able to come back to it later on in the day or as the week goes on whatever either on the podcast page or on the youtube page because it's going to be housed on locked on hbcu no matter what here's my thing is sometimes i'm a little bit hesitant to speak on texas southern matters because i know that people are waiting to catch me in this gotcha moment of he's being biased he's doing that like people i feel like people want to get you in that when you speak about everybody but you have a clear allegiance i mean come on it's a flag behind me of texas southern i'm not trying to hide anything so sometimes i'm a little bit hesitant to speak on my squad but this has to be said ladarius owens is currently on an offensive player of the year type of stretch and i'd even take it one step further if ladarius owens wasn't on Texas Southern right now with their current record, not only would he be in the conversation, he might be the leader in the conversation. If he was in a team that was fighting for the SWAC West right now, we might be saying Ladarius Owens is an offensive player of the year type of guy. Because let's look at what he's been able to do over the last month. In the last 
Actually, let's look at what, is, what he's been able to do in the last two weeks specifically, then expand it. He went against FAMU. I saw this with my own eyes. He went against FAMU and tore them up in the first half. They were able to find some answers for him, and there was a couple of situations in which he was no longer able to be affected because of down and distance. But that was the number one rush defense in the SWAC, and he ran for 138 yards in them. Previous to that, FAMU hadn't allowed a team to run for 127 or more than 127. That's cool. They go down to number two. Southern Rise is up to number one, but that ain't last long. Congratulations, fam, you on your SWAC East Championship. And now also, congratulations on being the number one rush defense yet again because Ladarius Owens went against Southern and he ran for 244 yards. These are the two top rush defenses in the conference. And he ran on them extremely well, especially against Southern. This is a situation where if TSU was better, if they had more team success, they wouldn't be, I don't even hear people talk about them. I don't even hear people talk about Ladarius Owens. And I remember sitting in my room on, I believe it was either, it was either Thursday or Friday before the Southern game. And I said, please let Ladarius Owens have another monster game because it's my fault that I didn't speak about him glowingly after fam, you beat Texas Southern. I should have highlighted that because that was the biggest bright spot on the team. And it's been a pattern. Remember, I told you over the last month, though I just highlighted two games, over the last month, he's went 13 for 139, 19 for 163, 19 for 138, 36 for 244. That's multiple games where he's averaged, or excuse me, yeah, multiple games where he's averaged, no, I can't count, but he has a game where he averaged 10 yards per carry. He has another game where he averaged 7 yards per carry, another game for uh, 7 yards per carry. Like, this is a dominant performance. And he's averaged over five yards per carry every single game. I I feel like you have to commend him. You have to commend him. Because it's not just the last four. He opened up the game, eight for one, or excuse me, opened up the season, eight carries, 104 yards. He had a long 77-yard catch or run in that game. He struggled against Toledo and Rice, the only FCS team that he's faced to hold him under 70. On hold him under 100 actually was a 70 yard game. Other than that, every single FCS opponent he's faced outside of Grambling was more than 100 yards. More than, yeah, more than 100. And if he continues this stretch, it might be hard to deny him. If, if Ladarius Owens continues on the path that he's currently on, and you're looking at four straight games of over 130 yards, I don't know if it matters how successful Texas Southern is, you might still have to give him the offensive player of the year. Here's the other thing about this. Ain't nobody else running away with it. Let's be real about it. Who in the swag is running away with the offensive player of the year award? Wait, like there's nobody. They're probably going to give it to Jeremy Musa because a, he was the preseason offensive player of the year. And then also he's leading FAMU, who is likely going to be the SWAC champions. He's the leading passer in the, in the league. So nobody under him is going to take that. They're not going to have more team success than him. He will probably be the guy they give it to. But he's a guy who people have complained about all year. And listen, I'm not as bottomed out on the Jeremy Musa hype train. To me, he is a solid quarterback. I understand he is not a great quarterback, but I think he is a solid quarterback. I think you can win with him. I think, I don't, no, I don't even want to use these type of terminologies. I think that he is a championship level quarterback in a swag. 
And I think he's a championship level quarterback on a celebration bowl level as well. But he hasn't always played up to his potential all year long. Multiple times he hasn't played up to his potential. There's no, no quarterback underneath him. So him as far as quarterbacks go, don't, don't throw any wide receivers towards me. I like Keyshawn Johnson. That passing game is anemic. It is. And he has less than 600 yards right now. Meanwhile, Owens is bumping up against 1,000. At the running back spot, I thought it was going to be Irv Mulligan. I think that he would have had the perfect blend of success and also team success. But now, where we stand today, Irv Mulligan, he's missed the game. And he's averaging 20 less yards per game than Ladarius Owens. So it brings me all the way back to the beginning. And it's the reason I can say this with confidence. Texas Southern's team success is the reason that Ladarius Owens is not in the Offensive Player of the Year conversation. And I don't even think that's fair. He's done too much. The pool is not deep enough for us not to be speaking about him. It just isn't. I don't think you can name five players. And if you can't put in the comments, I don't think you can name five players with a better Offensive Player of the Year resume than Ladarius Owens. Look at what he's been able to do, specifically in the last two games, rushing for over 130 yards against the two best rush defenses in the conference. His resume is stacked. The team's resume isn't. You tell me where the disconnect falls. Now, as we move forward, we got one more player to highlight, and we're sticking in the running back wheelhouse. And there's multiple running backs in this in this wheelhouse that we're speaking about out there at, at South Carolina State. But one of them, that's the future. That's Jawan Howell. Let's look at why I consider him that and the only things that could trip that up for SC State as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Now, here's the thing about FanDuel. All you got to do is put down $5. If you're new to this, put down $5. You get $200 back in bonus bets. It's the simplest thing you could do. It's one of the, the least risky things you could do. And I'm a very risk-averse person. So I think I'm the proper guy to be telling you about that. But for me, FanDuel is easy money. If you don't win, you get your money back, but then you get to try it again. And if you want to put some money down on the Saints, you want to put some money down on the Pelicans, even though my Pels didn't win, my Saints did. I knew, I knew it wasn't going to be able to have both of them. But it is what it is, right? But overall, put down your team on the NFL, the, uh, the NBA, the MLB, the World Series going on. My Rangers won another game last night. So we here. We cooking. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. No matter what your sport, no matter what your, your player, it doesn't matter. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and make every moment more. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day, every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Now, we've looked at Terrell Allen on a national landscape. We've looked at Ladarius Owens on a conference landscape. But now let's boil it down even further. Jawan Howell is the future of South Carolina State in a future that is kind of murky. South Carolina State, as we stand here, is about, is about to go through some major changes. They're about to go through some major changes over this offseason. But there should be one constant, if done right. 
if done right, there should be one player who is still there no matter what. And that is Jawan Howe. So I told you that this is Players Day. I told you that this is Players Day, but I do have to mention that he is sharing the backfield with some other guys. And you're looking at Josh Shaw, Tyler Smith, and Casey Fields. And I'm going to say the same. I'm going to quote Jay Walker. They got good guys in that backfield. But how was the one? You know when you see some when you see something special. I saw it against Jackson State. That was a piss poor game for the South Carolina State Bulldogs to open up their season. But you know what the shining moment was? And it wasn't, it wasn't Godbolt. It wasn't, though I thought he had a couple of nice plays. It wasn't him. It was how. It was that young running back who was making nothing out of something. It was that young running back who was out here bouncing it it was the, the young running back who when he was given a chance to run the ball you said oh this is special and it, it is crazy at this moment to think about we in week one week zero were able to see Jawan Howe and Irv Mulligan go against each other and I don't know if any of us had a full grip of how much talent there was in that running back battle Mulligan is a guy who I have thrown out there for being a offensive player of the year type of guy Injury is going to kind of hurt him. And then Howell is a guy that I'm not telling you is the future of South Carolina State. That's no disrespect to the other four or to the other three. Somebody's probably going to have to go. That's four running backs who are either freshmen or redshirt freshmen. You're probably going to have to bring that down to one. Somebody's not going to get fed and somebody's probably going to be unhappy about it. I don't know if they dwindle down this year or they dwindle down next year. But I, I tell you this, the one player who should not be a part of the dwindling is Juwan Howell. And the reason I say it's so much uncertainty is because it's based off of two big ifs, two big question marks, two big scenarios that could change all of this. Number one, coach. Number two, quarterback. Because in my mind, I look at Hal as a guy who is talented enough to be the engine of a high-level offense. That's how good I think he is. That's how much he's shown me something special. He showed me that against North Carolina Central as well with a 50-yard touchdown where he just looked good, man. Like, I mean, once he broke into the open field, you knew nobody was catching him. You seen the same thing against Delaware State where they put up 30. He had three touchdowns in that game. But for me, when it comes to Howell in specific, the big ifs are coach and quarterback because who is the coach? He might not like the coach. If he doesn't like the coach, he's probably gone. He's talented enough. He's shown enough to where he could go somewhere and get something else going in another place. He's a freshman. He's young enough. If him and the coach don't see eye to eye, or if he's just like, you know what? I came here for Buddy. Buddy's gone. I'm gone. But then also, what if the coach doesn't want to run an offense designed for him? What if the coach doesn't want to have a run first offense? Might not work. But then the next thing is quarterback. Because no matter how good your running game is, you need a quarterback. That's just the way football is played. You need a quarterback at all times. I don't care who you are. I, I'm trying to think, man. And I, and I thought about this before. I can't think of the team who didn't have a solid quarterback who can compete. I did this exercise in football or in the NFL earlier today, and it doesn't exist. I'm trying to think on a SWAC level, on a MEAC level, you look at the MEAC, they got Richards, but they got Richard. Excuse me. I don't like putting the S on people's name who ain't there. You got Williams. Like you got that for Howard. You got that for, for North Carolina Central. Meanwhile, on the side of, of Morgan State, ain't no real quarterback there. 
that's giving you any confidence. It's a whole lot of offensive question marks, but one of those is the quarterback. You know, like that that's the thing. I never had confidence in Grambling a year ago because of the quarterback. I felt like Dooley was desperate to get a new quarterback this year. It all revolves around that. It all revolves around that, you know? So that's the way that I look at it. So quarterback play has to be good because Fields is gone. It hasn't been that good. You know, Andre Washington, he's a he's a freshman as well. Maybe he shows more. I don't want to just sit here and be like, oh, well, he didn't do it as a freshman, so he's done. But the quarterback needs to be good. I don't, I don't care if you find that in-house. I don't care if you have to go elsewhere. I don't know who the coach is going to be. There's so many aspects, so many aspects. I know everybody wants the guy to Benedict. I know everybody wants Barry. I know it. I want Barry in my school. I'm be honest with you. I want to be the next coach of Texas Southern. But we'll see. How does how would how would he want to use how? I'm prioritizing him because, in my opinion, he is the future of South Carolina State. And I appreciate you because without you, there is no future for me on this show. So I appreciate you for that, making this your first listen of the day every day. And remember. On tomorrow's episode, we'll be back. I got to see how them how them rankings shaking up. Because if they ain't shaking out, like, they're still the same rankings every week. We ain't going to talk about it. But typically on Wednesdays, we like to look at our HBCU, our NCAA HBCU rankings. So we'll see how that goes. But in the meantime, in between time, until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care. Stay blessed. Peace. <laughs>